Good morning, everybody. It is so good on this really, really bad, bad weathery day to see all of you who came made it. I'm so glad you made it here. Hello to all of you uh, who made it uh, to your living rooms to watch us, okay? Thank you for making your way there as well. So glad that you did. And again, there's a lot competing with you uh, at home, and so I'm glad that you're tuning in with us live. Uh, so glad you're doing us. And uh, man, just hasn't been a good day so far, everybody. Hadn't been a good day with the Lord. I just, I always want to remind us uh, that, that every day we get together and worship, even out there to be together, it's a good time to be together with the Lord because, man, I have no idea what you came in with. I have no idea what's going on with you, even just join us online, man. But, but it's always good to come in here being reminded that we have a God who is good, that he's with us, that he's faithful, that Jesus saves, and that, that God gives us what we need, okay? Just a good place to be, a good place to be reminded of that together, okay? Uh, so we are in week number two uh, of a series that we are calling The Four Stories of Jonah. Uh, and we're going to get that here in a minute. We're going to be uh, in the second chapter of Jonah if you want to make your way uh, to that. But before we get to that, I just want to uh, kind of give you an update of some things that we were talking about last week, okay? Uh, what, what we're experiencing here are in-person services, uh, and specifically talking to the 915 crowd here. I'm talking to both services. But uh, so in your seat again, uh, on your way in, you found a white card there, a say yes card and a pen. Uh, and so uh, last week, uh, I was glad to tell you that we are experiencing a lot of growth, uh, a lot of things happening. In fact, when we started meeting in the summer, gathering back in person, we've grown about 250% uh, in both of our services. And so uh, I talked about the fact last week with you all that at our 11 o'clock, we're just experiencing different issues in both services. But at our 11 o'clock, we're totally full in the auditorium. In fact, except for last week of Super Bowl Sunday, we, we had to start turning people away uh, in the auditorium here. So what we are asking them to do, uh, just to anticipate the more growth that's going to happen as it gets warmer out and the summer coming and all that stuff, uh, that we are asking for hundreds people, 30 families, to make the switch from 11 to 915. Uh, and then by doing that, that's going to create uh, a great thing here for us at 915. We have more folks coming in, more kids, more students, and all that. And so what we ask for you is to be aware of that. And, and so what we ask is we need about 50 people to sign up and serve in, in a ministry area here at Riverish Church. Like, we need parking team, we need greeting team, we need, uh, you know, guest services and all that. But what we said was the pinch point for us here right now, in order to do what we're anticipating doing, uh, we can't can't do this without this number. We needed 24, minimum 24, Ridge Kids leaders. Uh, and what I mean by that was from nursery all the way to fifth grade, uh, being someone who's on a serving team, being a part of that team. Those are great teams in there and serving our kids from, from nursery all the way uh, to fifth grade. And I'm happy to tell you that we pretty much just last Sunday, we got exactly halfway there. So I'm, man, way to go. Uh, a lot of you probably signed up here. So glad that you did that. And so here's what I'm gonna say. For those of you uh, who weren't here, last Sunday, or maybe you were here last Sunday and you come here and you love this church, but you were still not contributing uh, and, you're, and you're able to, and you're still wondering, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. I'm still talking to you. You're the one that I'm actually asking. To, man, it's time to sign up. Like, you, we need you to say, man, I'm going to be a contributor here. I, I'm, I'm no longer going to be a consumer. I'm going to serve this church that I love. And so we need 12 more leaders. And by the way, uh, we really need men. Okay, we really need, fellas, we need you to step up and serve uh, our young men uh, in, in first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. Like we need, like we have a bunch of, of, of men in waiting who need men that are already there, who, who love God and wants to help them and can help them along the way. We need you. Again, I'm grateful for everyone. We're totally grateful for everybody who signed up, but it was way lopsided uh, on the gal to guy ratio who signed up. But keep signing up, but we really need you men. And here's what I want to tell you guys, like don't be intimidated. 
educated. Like you just need to know as much as a first grader knows. Okay, everybody, like that's not that high of a bar. Maybe you are intimidated by that. And here's what I'll tell you. We even give you the answers ahead of time. You're gonna know, we give you the cheat sheet every week, everybody. So don't worry, don't worry, man. Like you could totally do it. You'll have all the, no, I wanna tell you, man, there are some guys out there, man, you love God. You have a thriving relationship with him. You're moving along with him and you're like, man, what's next in my life? Man, leading young men, leading uh, some boys who really need uh, some men in their lives other than their dads, other than the, the men influences to say, man, I wanna pour into you a little bit. I'm gonna just teach you what I, I mean, we need you to step up. We need you to sign up and say, I'm gonna contribute. And I'm t- I'll tell you la- today what I said last week. Y- you're here, you're growing and you're thriving to God. And I'm telling you, you're not gonna keep going if you just kind of sit and consume. It's time to contribute, I'm telling you. So look at the card, look at the card, sign up. Again, we need, we need a lot more people. We need a lot more guest services, team members and parking team and all that. But I'm telling you, we still need 12 more Rich Kids leaders in order to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Okay, we're halfway there. So sign up on that card. All that does is just commit you to shadowing. It does not commit you to actually doing it yet. We're gonna help you and answer all the questions for you. Uh, so sign that card, okay? Just, just at least make a commitment to shadowing and checking it out, seeing what it's all about. We'll take really good care of you and show you what it's about before you have to make a commitment at all. But I guarantee you, if you do, you will see that it is really, really a great thing to be a part of. All right, so let's get to it. So if you got your Bibles again, go ahead and open those, grab those, open them up to Jonah chapter two. And here's what we're doing. We're looking at the life of Jonah, uh, but we're actually learning that this really isn't a story about Jonah. Uh, What we're learning is this actually a story uh, about God, a loving, compassionate God who wants to reach and save and, and get to as many people as he can, even the lost, even the runners, and even broken prophets, lost prophets. And that's who Jonah is. That's who he was. He was a prophet of God. He was a guy who was close to God. He was God's voice for his people. And we're learning from this guy who would probably say to us today, don't do what I did. Like that's what we're learning, that he would say, man, I want you to learn from me, but I don't, don't do what I did. Don't go the way that I go. Because Jonah, the prophet, the guy who should have gotten it more than anybody else, he was given a mission from God, but he went in the other direction. God said, go. And what we learned is Jonah said no. And last week what we saw in chapter one was some of the consequences, some of the things that happen as a result of just saying no to God, of being in rebellion to whatever God says for us to do. There are a lot of things that actually happen in in God's call in our lives if we don't do it. The most important thing in your life is to know why you're here. Do you know why you're here? Like, do you know and are you aware that you are here, that God put you here for a specific reason, okay, that that you are here to accomplish, that he wants to do something through you and in your life. And here's what I wanna tell you, because God has a much bigger cause, purpose, mission, goal for you than to make money, retire, and die, okay? Like, he has a bigger plan that that is a small potatoes compared to what God wants to do in your life. And so with Jonah, God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh. You need to go to them. That was the capital of Assyria, and they were doing things wrong. And he said, you need to go tell them to turn back to me. They're not following me. They're messing up their lives, and I want you to tell them to turn and follow me. Uh, Nineveh, what we learned last week, was about 500 miles away from where Jonah was from. Uh, it, it, again, it, wasn't, it was a pretty long journey, but what we found out is he didn't go that way. He went in the opposite way, uh, as far away as he could get, and he went to the city, or he was on his way to the city of Tarshish. Uh, and so he thinks he's getting away from God, 
God, uh, but we find out that he's never, ever out of God's reach. And so what happens is God actually sends a storm, a storm that's really, really bad. And what eventually happens is he tells the sailors that he was with to throw him overboard. And so that's what they do. They throw him overboard. And then as soon as he touches the water, uh, the storm stops. Uh, and then these sailors who never believed in God before uh, literally had to come to Jesus moment at that moment. Like they started believing there is a God, uh, a God of all creation. So they believed God on the spot. And so this is where we are. Jonah is in the sea. He's sinking down. He's trying to swim up to get a breath of air. So let's read. We're in the last verse, chapter one. Back up one page if you're not, if you get last verse, here's what it says. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, yeah, we need to visit this. Before we get any further, we need to talk a little bit about the elephant in the room. Because really, am I really supposed to believe this? Like, Andy, come on, man. Like, are you telling me that I, that, that I have to believe that Jonah was real, that this story is historical, not metaphorical, that there was actually a guy who got swallowed by a fish, and he lived there in three days, and then he survived to actually tell us about it? Like, tell me I don't need to believe this. Andy, tell me that I can follow God, that I can follow Jesus, that I can say I'm a Christian, but I don't need to believe that this actually happened, like the flood in Noah, like the, the parting of the Red Sea, like Jonah and the fish, like Elijah going straight to heaven on a chariot of fire. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Listen, I cannot tell you what to believe. I can't tell you what to believe, but I will tell you this. For me as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of him, I do believe it. I believe this is an actual story. It literally happened, and I believe it for a few reasons. And here's what I'm gonna tell you right out of the gate here. I, there is no logical or scientific explanation I have behind the reasons why I believe this was real. Like, it's not like, well, there could have been a pocket of air in that fish, or, or like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe there was another chamber. No, like, because if you were to ask if, if you can, how a man could survive in a fish for three days, the answer is he can't. Okay, he can't. He can't. That dude can't survive in there any more than somebody who died and was buried in a tomb and three days later came back from the dead. Okay, like can't humanly happen. This is, listen to me everybody, a miraculous sign done by a supernatural God Period, period. That's what I come to believe that can happen. Jesus, and here's, here's something else. Jesus actually talks about Jonah. Jesus confirms that this happened, which is another reason, just another reason why I believe that, that Jonah was real and the fish thing happened. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Uh, there were some people that said, Jesus, give us a sign. Give us a sign so that we know uh, that, that, that you're God, that, that you're real, that, that you really are the Savior. And here's what Jesus said to them. I want us to look at this. Here's what he says. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, real, I was real, he's real, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So listen, so Jesus is saying right here, Jonah was real, he was a historical character. This really happened. And two, this was not a normal thing that happened. This is not a normal deal. This is a sign of God. This is a sign from him, okay? Um, and here's why I would say, so for me again, for me, like um, there's no reason for me to try to explain this from a scientific or 
or, or human level. That's, that's kind of where I land. There's just no reason for me to even try. It's not. It's a miraculous thing done by a supernatural God. And here's why I think, this is what I would think. I'm, I'm not gonna tell you what to believe, but here's why I think if you are a Christian, if you are someone who says, yes, I'm a Christian, why I would just wanna submit to you and challenge you to think about believing the Bible as a whole versus picking and choosing what's real and what's fictional, what's true and what's not true. Okay, just think about this. I hope this helps you. I really do hope this helps you. This is what I wanna say. If, again, you're a Christian and you're trying to wonder, do I have to believe this? It, it, if you believe the first part of the Bible, in the beginning God created, then the rest is really easy. You hit me? Like, if you believe in the beginning God created, then the rest is actually really easy because we are dealing with everybody. Listen, we are dealing with a God who spoke and everything came to exist. Like he created the heavens and the sky and billions of stars and the atmosphere and he, he arranged the planets. He made DNA. He made bugs and birds and us and, and dogs. And so listen to me. If he could do all that, this is not that big of a stretch for him. It really is. This is where I got, this is where I landed. Uh, and by the way, by the way, we actually believe in uh, bigger miraculous things that are just as crazy of a story and it's me and you. They're crazy in the story that we're reading about with Jonah, me and you. Like, there are people in here and people who are watching, and you have been changed, you have been changed by God in a way that you cannot explain it. Like, you, you're way different than you were 10 years ago, and you literally cannot explain it except that you had a supernatural encounter with Christ. Think about it. And so we, we have that as well. We've seen firsthand what God can do in our lives. So I think it's well within his ability to arrange for a fish to, to get his kid uh, and keep him safe, okay? So God provides a fish. God provides a fish, which kind of goes to the next question that at least I had, uh, why fish? Like, why fish? Why not a boat uh, or something like more logical? Like, why did he have to get swallowed uh, by a fish? And so here's what I thought about that. You know, if God provides all things, why a fish? Well, here's, here's what I thought about. What are you gonna do uh, in the belly of a fish? And the answer is not much. You can't really do much in the belly of a fish. Like, I think that's, he, he, he had nowhere to go. He, he couldn't do anything. Jonah had to get to a point uh, where, where he had nothing to do except kind of turn his attention to God. And I think that's why God did. I mean, think about it for your own lives. Just think about this for a second. Like, why is it so hard to pray? Why is it so hard to find time to read the Bible? You know you should, you know it's good, you know it's beneficial, you know that's what God wants you to do because there are too many distractions, there are too many distractions in your life to keep from doing what God wants us to do. And so God's like, I'm gonna take all those distractions out of your way, Jonah. Like think about it, being in the belly of a fish, think about where he was, Jonah lost all of his resources and, and being there, he lost all of his sense of direction. He had no idea where he was and so now God has Jonah's attention and now Jonah can turn his attention finally to God, and so let's see what happens. Chapter two, verse one, here's what he says. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. A lot of, uh, I was reading about this, so a lot of scholars uh, have different opinions on what, was, what happened when he was in the fish for three days and three nights. So some say, you know, was he kind of semi-conscious when he was in there? Was he all the way awake? Was he fully aware? Uh, was he put to sleep? Maybe he was put to sleep like he was in chapter one. And like what we said, is the same sleep that God put Adam in when he created Eve. And here's the answer. We don't know. Like we really don't, does not tell us what the state of the condition was in this full three days. But what we do know is that he was at least awake for enough time in there, uh, in that stress to realize a few things and then also communicate to God. That's what we know by this verse, that he was communicating to God about it, okay? And so what we have over the next eight verses that we're gonna cover is Jonah's prayer and Jonah's surrender to God, okay? So let's read it. Let's pick this up, verse two. Here's what he says. It says, he said, 
I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. We're gonna see Jonah come to a couple realizations over the next eight verses. And the first one, if you're taking notes, I hope you write this down, is that God hears the prayer of a runner. That God will hear the prayer of a runner. So Jonah, the prophet, right, the guy who should have gotten it from the beginning, uh, probably at this point, as he's sitting in the belly of this fish, uh, in his greatest despair, in his total darkness, gets dumped in the water, he's a goner. And here's what I think Jonah started to realize. He's like, you know what? Uh, I'm actually the one who did it. Like, you know, it's not the sailors. Uh, It had nothing to do with that. It wasn't God. It was him who did it. He says, I cried out to the Lord in great trouble. How many of us can relate to that? How many of us wait and wait and we run and then we keep doing what we think we should do or we try to get ourselves out of us and we dig deeper and deeper until there's nowhere else to turn. We've exhausted all of our resources. We're in the deep. It's scary. And then we realize we're done. And now we're gonna turn to God. How many of us can relate to that a little bit, right? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. There are some of you in here, there are some of you watching who are Christians and you actually don't like this about God deep down. You don't, you wrestle with this a little bit about God. You think people who do this do not deserve God's ear. They're like, why would, why would you listen? Why would God listen? And you don't think that this is actually how God is. And here's what I want to tell you if that's where you're at. Because I actually do believe there's a lot more of us than you think. That deep down, you don't like this about God. He hears the prayer of a runner. And let me tell you, I'm so glad God is not like you. Okay, everybody? And, and here's the thing. I'm glad he's not like me either. I really am. Like when I think about this. Because I want to tell you something. Honestly, I have a hard time with people who don't listen to what I say. And I have living examples of them in a five-year-old and a seven-year-old at my house, everybody. Like, I have a very difficult time with them, and I love them more than I love you, and I'm telling you how I deal with them. You're glad I'm not God in your life either, everybody, okay? I'll tell you that right now, because here's what I get with, the, with my five-year-old. I have 40 years on these people, and here's how I get. I get a little prideful, right? I lose little self-control every now and then uh, with them when they don't, uh, you know, listen to what I say. And I even, even with a five-year-old, I don't know how she does it, even with a five-year-old, I hold the dumbest grudges with her. I hold the dumbest grudges when she hurts my feelings or doesn't do what I clearly say, and then she needs my help. And I'm like, no, I'm not helping you. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, that's what I do. I'm like, I'm not helping you right now. And I'm like, what, what is my problem, right? So I'm just telling you, I don't know how she does it. I'm telling you right now, she has a, she knows exact buttons to push. Like, I'm sweating right now thinking about it. But here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. God isn't like us. And more importantly, listen to me, we're way more like Jonah than we would ever imagine. We're way more like Jonah than we are of God. I think we fa- what we fail to understand, listen to me, this might be the biggest part of this sermon for you if you're listening, whether you're far from God, Christian for a long time, you are Jonah. You are Jonah too. And I don't mean just before you were saved or anything like that, okay? You run more than you know and you are more imperfect than you give yourself credit for. And yet God still gives you his ear when you turn back to him. But here's what we do, everybody. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm sorry to say this, this is what we do. We actually put like levels of severity on sin. And it's not on us. It's when we look at other people. We put these levels of, like, uh, of, of severity. And then so what we do is we become kind of self-righteous when we see other people. And we're like, well, look, I mean, I'm not like that runner. I mean, look at him. I mean, look at her. I mean, that's who, you know, that's, that's really bad. But you've got to remember, everybody. got to remember all sin, all of it. Every time we say no to God from the smallest infraction all the way to the biggest thing that you could ever imagine, it's equally opposed to God, by, by God, equally opposed. We don't equally oppose things, he does. It's all rebellion. It's all equally opposed to him. So here's what I'm gonna say. Don't underestimate 
Don't underestimate how much we are all like Jonah in way more areas in our lives than we think. Don't underestimate that. Because if you can get there, here's the thing, if you could get there, if you could just really get there in your life, then here's what you will see. You will finally see who you really are. You will see what we are actually like. And then we will be thankful. Trust me, we will be thankful that God is like this and not like us, okay? Because God hears the prayer of the runner every time. Some of you, uh, you may feel like you're drowning. And, and you know, and you're like, this is my own doing. I've done it, I've I made whatever choices I made and, and you're drowning and right now you're wondering, will he listen to me? And here's what I'm gonna tell you right now. God has not abandoned you. He is not away from you. He is close to you even though you feel far from him. He has not forgotten you because he hears the prayer of the runner. He wants you to come back. He is with you. He's ready to listen. And, and here's the thing that you need to do. You can't hide from it. You need to confess to him. You need to turn back. You need to confess what's going on in your life. Be honest with him like Jonah is here in this prayer. You can't hide from him. You can't act like nothing happened. But I'm telling you, if you do that, if you're honest with him, he is faithful to forgive you and bring you back in with open arms and it'll be the greatest hug you'll ever feel from him, I'm telling you right now, if you turn back to him. Jonah continues. It's an amazing prayer. He says, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I love the imagery of this. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever, but you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. Second thing that Jonah realizes, if you're taking notes, again, I hope you do, is that God doesn't pay us back, he brings us back. He doesn't pay us back, he brings us back. So I love it. Like, look at what Jonah says. He says, you threw me. Again, I love it. Not the sailors. The sailors are the one who threw him over, but he's, he's at another level now. Uh, no, I, I hate that it took a fish uh, swallowing him to get him there, but this is what he's like, you threw me, not the sailors. It was your wild and stormy ways. It wasn't just a storm. I think so many times uh, we go through these situations, we go through these circumstances as a result of maybe our sin. Even we don't even think it's a result of our sin. We go through these things that happen, and we're, what do we conclude? A lot of times what we conclude is like, okay, there it is. God's paying me back. This is why I'm going through what I'm going through. I know, and, and he's paying me back, but I'm telling you, that's not what it is, gang. That's never, ever what God does. God will never, ever do that. God isn't paying Jonah back for, for all this. He is bringing Jonah back, and there's a huge difference, huge difference between payback and bringing back. And listen to me, just like God does with Jonah here, he does with you and me. God wants to bring you back always, no exception, Always wants to bring you back, no exception to this rule. His purpose is always for redemption, every single time. Always for redemption, not payback. And, and I find this, again, like just as I go into the story, I really want to bring this out in a way where it doesn't, it's not a, this is not a children's story. There's so much depth and uh, meaning and all these things, amazing in this story. But, but I found it interesting uh, in, in this where Jonah, I don't know if any of us would get there either, but Jonah's celebrating God's rescue from death uh, from the belly of a fish. All right, he's not out of the fish yet. And I just found that really, really interesting. But here's what I think is happening. He doesn't get out of it until verse 10. We got a few more verses to go, everybody. Everybody, okay, but, but I think Jonah here, I think he's realizing there is a greater rescue than the rescue from my circumstance, and the greater rescue is a rescue from sin and death. 
I think that's what he's come to understand because we're gonna find that out here in the next couple of verses. So he says, man, I remember you and here's what he says. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Leave this up here for a second uh, while I talk through it. I wanna talk about this because this was the one verse that I had to do the most research on. It just was very, uh, I don't know, I was more curious about this one than any other uh, that he was saying. So I had to read this because I was trying to figure out who who he was talking about. Like who are those? Like he said, those who worship false gods, like who are those people? And so I started to think, well, maybe he's talking about the sailors because they didn't really believe in God. Maybe, uh, maybe he was talking to the Ninevites. That's who God called him to. Maybe he's coming to a realization of like, okay, I gotta go because you know they're turning their back on God. Uh, and so I wanna break this down really quick. And, and again, here's the thing, regardless of where we go with this, the message is still the same. But I just found this interesting. Again, I wanna bring some different things out in this story. So he's bringing up two things uh, that are opposed forces in this, uh, which is this, false God, God's, uh, and God's mercies. So I want to put new words in there. Idolatry and grace. All right, so he's bringing up idolatry. They're opposing forces uh, that are going against each other. Uh, and that second one, the mercies of God, God's grace, is why I actually think he's talking about himself and nobody else. And here's why. When you start to break down that word and you go to the original language in that word, it's a very interesting word uh, for the word mercy, and it's the word said. Now, some of you who have been with God for a long time and you kind of research this, uh, you know that that word is an actual uh, pretty uh, uh, relative word with just God and his people, people who are in a relationship with him. Hesed is a covenantal love, listen to me, a covenantal love between only God and people who have actually come to know him as their savior. So I don't think Jonah could have been talking about the sailors or the Ninevites. That's just kind of where I got. I don't know, man. Again, the message is still the same. I just found that interesting. Uh, And so here's what I think maybe Jonah realized as a result this he's talking about himself and i think he realized what he had what he was doing he was running maybe he was realizing that in his running he was actually communicating that he thought he would be better off by disobeying but keeping his life the way it was maybe he thought man i i know i'm disobeying but i don't that, that he was holding on to the life that he knew in the way that he had it that he valued his life more than he valued god and gang listen to me that's idolatry that's what idolatry is I think when we think about idolatry, we think about like, you know, these uh, carved out uh, wooden things that, that, you know, we carry around and, and, you know, we think about that. And I think most of us are smart enough not to hold on to something like that or, or have something like that and carry it around. But maybe we carry around the God of our image. Maybe we, got, we carry around the, God, the, the, the idol of our own lives and we don't want anything mess with our own lives or, or looks or materialism or status or money or, or what we give our energy to relationships. Uh, uh, we, put, we put more value on some people than we do God. That's all idolatry. That's what he's getting to. And, and maybe we think, here, I thought about it, maybe we think, well, what's the big deal? Like, I, you know, uh, so you're saying that I can't love anything. You're saying I can't have like a, a hobby that I love and you know, I, can't, I can still worship God and still have these things in my life, Right? Yeah, I mean, you can. Like, that's not what I'm, I'm not saying you can't have things that you love or people that you love, but here's the question. How do we know when it's an idol? How do we know when like a person or a hobby or something is, is an actual idol? I, honestly, like that's for God to determine in your own heart, but uh, there, there may be some clues. There may be some clues, and I'm not saying just because you hit one or two of these that it is absolutely idol, but it's just worth at least exploring if some of these hit a chord. Uh, but something may become an idol if, uh, if it gives me the most excitement about the future more than God. That, that could, that's a definite idol, like, red flag. If it's what I fear losing the most, it, it could really become an idol. If it's what I envy that others have, but I don't. That could be something that's an idol. It's what I most enjoy spending time and my money on, even more uh, than God and his work and his kingdom, right? Uh, and, and ultimately, it's really, this is what it is. It's when I value 
uh, other things above God, and it causes me to disobey him as a result. Now, listen, I don't want you walking out of here thinking if you have a boat, uh, if you like collecting vintage records, that, that you're practicing idolatry. Like, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Uh, here's, it's just, does this take you away? Does this take you away from your trust in God? Does this thing, if it was gone, change your trust in the, in the world or in, in that, okay? I'm just saying, like, uh, it's a question of what I worship. It's a question of what I, of what I bow to. Is it God uh, or is it something else? This is what Jonah was coming to realization. You know what, I think, you know what, uh, you know what we, we bow to the most and not really, understand, not really realize it? Uh, ourselves. Ourselves. Like, we value us more than we value God. It's my life. Like, I value myself. Like, but man, the Bible's really clear. It says, listen, when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you're not even your own. You're not your own. That's what he's saying. Like, don't value yourself even above God, that, that, that your life is not your own. So Jonah realized when you value things over people and God, here's what he's saying. Then what you're turning in is the greatest, greatest source of joy in life, and which is enjoying God's mercy and grace. Can't have both going on in your life. That even, and he realized even his life wasn't his own. So Jonah keeps praying, right? Turning back to God, returning to God's mercy. Verse nine, he says, but I will. So he came to that realization, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Last thing that Jonah realizes, if you wanna write this down, is that salvation belongs to God. Salvation belongs to God. He says, salvation comes from the Lord. And here's the thing, everybody. For me, like I read this, and I'm like, that could be the theme of the entire Bible right there. In that one little line, and I think about how Jonah had to go through what he went through to get to that. But I'm telling you, you start reading the Bible, this is what the whole Bible is at. Jesus, or Jonah gets to the point of everything in this one little sentence. God is in control of salvation, not him not us, it's all God's. I just, I, I just, I don't think, I think Jonah was wrestling with the Ninevites. I really do. They were bad people. And I think he was wrestling. Like, I don't, I think he was like, I don't think they deserve salvation. I think that's what he was wrestling. We're gonna find out next week. But I think he, he, he did not think they deserved it. Uh, but listen to me, it's not his decision. I think that's what he came to, it's not his decision. In fact, what Jonah started realizing that even he didn't deserve salvation. I think that's what he realized. How ironic is the situation now? The Jonah the prophet, knowing God, but not even understanding the gospel, God's salvation, but now he gets it. Why do we do that? Like, who do we say doesn't deserve God's love? Who do we say doesn't deserve God's ear? Who do we say uh, doesn't deserve God's love and understanding? The truth is that no one is outside of what God offers, and it's not up to us to decide on that. Because listen to me, salvation belongs to God. We're not the owners of it, but we get to be the carriers of the amazing salvation that he offers. That's what our job is. Not, we're not the judges, we're not the police of God, but we get to be the carriers of that amazing message of salvation that only comes from God. Let's finish this out, verse 10. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That's great. Like, I love that. That's how we're gonna end today. Love the picture of this. You think, right, you think that he comes to this realization and God's like, oh, you got it, my boy. And then maybe a hand comes and kind of pulls him out and, you know, does that and light shines. But no, he was spit out. Actually, the Hebrew translation of this means a projectile type spew. Fantastic. Like, that's just like, love that, okay? So here's where Jonah is right now. Here's where he is right now. We're gonna be kind of going through this. And, and so he ran, he knew, he realized, and he surrendered. So here's what I wanna do for us this morning. I don't know where you are with this. I think there's a few people 
uh, watching and here present. I just want you to take a moment, just the next couple minutes that we have, uh, and I just want you to just kind of put your stuff away, you know, turn whatever, and we're not taking any more notes or think through this. I just want you to maybe bow your heads, however you want, as you close your eyes. I just want you to take this in. Just, I just want to let God speak to you through this story of Jonah, this chapter of Jonah. What's he speaking to you about? And I'm just gonna, as you're doing that, I'm just gonna give you a minute here right now, and I'm gonna talk to a few of you here in a second. So let's just, let's just give God a, mo- a minute here to maybe ask, like, what are you speaking to me about? What are you communicating? Some of you right here, as your heads are still down closed, I just want to give you some directional things. Uh, maybe you are listening to God right now. Maybe you would say, no, I, I'm, I'm surrendered to him. I'm, I'm living for him. And here's my question to you. Is there a Jonah in your life? Is there someone who you know is running and you see going the opposite direction? And, and what are you doing about it? Because just like God used a fisherman, he, want, he may want to use you to help that person come back to him. So is there a Jonah in your life to recognize? The challenge for you is to recognize the people in your life that, that maybe God wants to use you to help them turn back to God. Maybe some of you here watching, as you're thinking through this, maybe some of you know who God is in your life, but uh, you know there is that one thing you refuse to let go of and it's causing you to run. Maybe it's a relationship that's no good for you. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you're refusing to let go of that. Maybe it's a, a circumstance. Maybe it's you know, uh, you know disobeying your parents. Maybe it's the lifestyle you live. Maybe it's uh, anger. Maybe it's pride. Whatever that is. What what does God want you to do with this? Are you ready to receive God's grace fully? I hope you are. What you need to do is you need to surrender, gang. This is all about surrender. This is about repentance. This is about turning from that thing you're holding on to, which is idolatry, which is sin, which is what God knows isn't good for you, and turning back to him, confessing, and allowing God's grace and mercy to come back into your life. It's not easy to surrender. Why? Well, because surrender is a sign of weakness. It's, it's, it's saying I give up. It's saying like I'm, I'm letting the enemy win. That's why it's so hard, especially uh, in, in the state we're in or our culture is so entitled. Man, we're such an entitled group of people that I'm entitled to my own thoughts. I'm entitled to my own opinions. I'm entitled to my own way, mine, mine, mine. But here's who you're surrendering to if you're thinking through this with whatever you're holding on to. You are surrendering to your very creator, the one who gave you life, who knows every hair on your head and who doesn't just love you. He really, really likes you. And he wants to come into your life bigger and better than you ever have experienced you. He's not your enemy. And even though we run, he never gives up on you. He's always faithful to receive your confession and forgive you and bring you back in when you raise a white flag and say, in my great trouble, I cried out to the Lord. I called to you from the land of the dead. And here's the great part, just like Jonah, Lord, you heard me. Lord, you heard me. I don't know who needed to hear that today, but I believe that somebody did. God is never more than a prayer away from what you're holding on to or what you're running from. And I'm telling you, Jonah was facing death and God heard him there. Just like Jonah, if you're there, Jesus will be there for you. And he'll say, I'll meet you at the cross. I'll meet you at the cross. I'll meet you at where I showed you my great love for you and I'm never taking it back. Just turn back to me. Just confess whatever's going on. It's easier than you think to turn back to me. For some of you here, I feel like I need to ask you if you've ever really entered into a real relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Honestly, this is what this story should be pointing us to, a loving God who has mercy for us. He showed us that in what Jesus did for you on the cross. There's no other way to get to God. And maybe you've just never come to that point where you've truly accepted this in your life with Jesus being the Savior of life. Some of you, uh, you may have grown up knowing who Jesus is, uh, but never really been changed by it. You've just not been, you, you know, you hear that and you're like, I'm not, you know, it never hit you where you know you actually have experienced everlasting forgiveness and a peace because of that decision that you made from the free gift that God gives you. So if you're, uh, if you can't, here's the thing, if you can't really point to a time uh, where, where you've actually done that and you've surrendered your life to Christ, here's the deal. No one's just always been a Christian. It doesn't happen. No one's just always been a Christian. The Bible always points to that there's a time for every Christian. There's a time, a place, a, a moment where you actually came to a real grip of your sin and understanding the, what that sin does and that there was a God who made a way for you uh, and you've turned your life over to God. And so how do you do that? Well, here's what you do if you've never done that. I'm just gonna walk you through this over the next couple minutes, okay? You need to trust God and earnestly believe that there is sin in your life and that is messing you up with him. You cannot get to him because of that sin in your life and that Jesus is the only power to save you. He's the only thing that can save you. You can't save yourself. No matter how many good things you do, you cannot get to heaven without Jesus and what he did. That when he died on the cross, here's what happened. Uh, and God raised him from the dead. His death actually took your sin and gave you what you needed to get right with God if you accept that gift from him. And here's how you receive it. You receive it not just by knowing that this happened. There's a lot of people that know this happened, but you receive it by turning from your life and sin and turning towards real life and God. This is called repentance. You're turning, you're saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this. I don't wanna live this life anymore. This is surrender. This is where real life begins. So if you're ready to accept God's free gift, again, this, is an, this isn't an ultimatum. This is just an invitation. If you haven't received that, I'm just gonna give you an opportunity to do that. So you, I'm gonna help you take a step and pray a simple prayer with me to accept this finally and start a new life with the Savior of the world who died for you and for your sins. So you could pray just in your heart or with me or however you wanna do it. You say, God, I am yours. You made me. You made a way for me, so I first accept that I am a sinner and that my sin is trouble. It gets in the way of you. It disconnects me from you. I see that my sin needs forgiven. I can't forgive it myself. And I believe that Jesus came to die for that sin to reconnect me with you. And so I place my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin, that his death was my death, and I accept life because of that, and I commit my life to being yours forever. Forgive me, make me new, I surrender. Now for all of us, God, help us understand who you are. Help us to see that we're way more like Jonah than we can ever, ever give ourselves credit for, uh, that we don't wanna put ourselves in Jonah's shoes, but we are way more like him than we think. But God, thank you for being you. <laughs> thank you that you're not like I would be. That I'm so grateful for that, for being there, for your mercy, for your love, that your ear is always ready to listen if I'm ready to confess and turn back to you. May we stop clinging to the idols in our lives and turn to you because, man, I'm telling you, your great mercies are better than anything that we could possibly think would replace that. We love you. We pray for this in Jesus' name, amen.